Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Field of You podcast. I hope you're all having a wonderful day. I know I'm just really cold today because apparently weather wants to be cold again and then heat up at the end of the week. What is California's weather? Uh, <laughs> again, I hope you're having a wonderful day. I am joined by a person who's had their best run in Smash tournaments in a long time. Jesus, how do you feel about your run yesterday? You see this green wristband here? I mean, they're not going to see it, but like, you see this green wristband? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I am never going to go with without a green wristband. It's going to be a good luck charm now. <laughs> <laughs> uh we were at the uh the mini Super major at the tournament. Yeah, the mini major in Riverside yesterday. I tagged along just for the LOLs and the laughs. Um <clears throat> uh Smash Strike, we did really bad. <laughs> I did worse than Jesus, let's be honest. And then in the singles, um, I completely bombed out on the first matchup, had a decent run in the second one, and then yeah, still lost 2-0. Jesus, though, lost his first match, and then what, a four-game winning streak you went on in the loser's bracket? No, Almost. I, I won the first, so I won my winner's first round, and then I lost the second one because I made a very terrible mistake, and then I win the next three in straight sets, and then I got swept in my loser's round five. But overall, really good effort from your end. Yeah. Um, Guess what? 25th out of 110 entrants. There you go. Um, That's really good, actually. I, I was like, I wanted, when we saw that, I was like, Hey, <laughs> but um, Razo actually did not win. Oh, wow. That's surprising. Um, Aside from our endeavors outside of the podcast and journalistic stuff we do, uh, I did want to mention that um, we did have to push back some. St- um, we were going to have the episode with Maya uh, this week uh, talking about the um, the current scandals uh, regarding the National Women's Soccer League here in the U.S. Uh, but uh, due to some of my own scheduling this past week, I wasn't able to do my due diligence. So I'm, in case anybody was wondering what was going on with that, um, we're going to push it back to next week. And this week, we're going to just have a regular show, um, but with a really good topic for sure. And before we get into our main topic, our our, our new scrum and everything, uh, I do want to mention and just kind of briefly talk about this. I just kind of want to remember um, an IndyCar driver that passed away uh, on Saturday, the 16th of October was the uh, 10th anniversary of the passing of Dan Weldon during the uh, IndyCar World Championship at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, Firstly, just thoughts and prayers with uh, the family still. It's no one's recovered from his passing um, in that since that time. It's it was it's his death pushed up a lot of things, not just in the IndyCar world, but a lot in all of motorsports, too up the safety and everything um i i will link to this i'll try to add this into the description there was a really good documentary that was posted on uh, youtube about it i know it's not our stuff but just and just it talks about what happened that day leading up to that day i i highly recommend it we're gonna add it to the description um it the only reason i want to mention this because personally for me this that event kind of shaped what what would eventually be me as a sports fan and not just a sports fan a, in specific a racing fan um i was a young uh lad i believe i was gonna be i was 15 already or 15 16 i can't remember age is a age is time now i don't know what's going on anymore it blurs together but um i was watching the race uh it happened to be one of the first times i've ever seen indycar uh race at all and it was obviously for the world championship and the first ever wreck i saw was the passing of dan weldon um i remember just watching that and just 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 like in complete utter 
fear. I, I don't know how to describe. It's one of the most vivid sports memories I have ever. And I, I have joyous ones, but the one that always sticks with me is that. And I never personally was a new of Dan's work, but I don't know. He he's he seemed like a genuinely nice guy. He was an amazing person. Um, so I just wanted to kind of mention that. Um is the, the anniversary is passing just thoughts was a family and then yeah <laughs> i know it's, it starts on a somber note but uh i just thought personally we we should mention it because it's it, it it's a major thing and maybe in future episodes we might go into deeper talks about what happened or something anything like that but on to a little more lighter news uh let's go straight into the news from mlb the postseason continues um goodness gracious the uh alds was quite crazy uh boston Red Sox moved on from their matchup and then the Astros oh boy <laughs> controversially uh <laughs> obviously they haven't done anything yet aside from what the White Sox accused but we'll never know if that's true or not uh Astros moved on uh currently facing the right the uh, Red Sox in the uh ALCS um currently tied at one apiece uh we will mention that the first game is going the not the first game the third game of the series is going on right now um like I said tied at one apiece I believe they're at the top of the fifth inning at the moment astros won the first game with a five to four scoreline while the red Sox won game two with nine to four and then on the other side oh boy uh i can't, there's a reason i'm saying this because the dodgers also moved on and if you all remember um there is a bit of history between the astros and the dodgers and i really don't want to relive that <laughs> uh they moved on from their matchup uh uh facing the atlanta braves right now this is I also want to add a little bit of history. What about the Dodgers Red Sox World Series that happened in 2018 too? Like there's bad blood between both the AL opponents for the Dodgers. Exactly my point. Why I kind of don't want to see this World Series matchup because I mentioned this to you when we kind of talked about it, um, I believe yesterday. Uh, I don't want pitchforks thrown across the ballpark because I feel like that would happen. But aside from my worries of Dodgers facing the Astros, uh, first, the Dodgers need to get through the Braves because of, uh, the Braves have a 2-0 lead. Uh, both games were walk-off home run wins. Uh, game one was a 5-4 to scoreline and game two was a 3 Three to two. Um, you've been watch. You've been keeping up with this with this a little more than I have, Jesus. Obviously, the uh, ALCS is tied at the moment. Um, does this surprise you that it's tied right now, or is it more of this was expected to happen because of the teams? You look at the first game. The scoreline was five to four. You know, it's a dead even series from what I should have expected. I was. I think it was going to go like at least game six. But the way the second game went for the Red Sox. It may have changes our change our minds. Uh, possibly, possibly. Um, I I feel like the Red Sox have always been a little bit of better postseason team. Um, and this is just kind of my understanding of what I've seen in the past. Kind of like how I mentioned with the Cardinals when I thought that they were going to beat the Dodgers and move on. Um, they're more of a uh, okay. I know it's kind of funny that I got that wrong, but the the reason I'm using it is like they're notoriously a lot stronger in the postseason than they are in the regular season. So it's just. That's just what comes to mind with me kind of know seeing what the scoreline was in that second matchup. I feel like the Red Sox normally try to do uh let's feel out game one and then we'll try to turn it up on start turning it up in game two. Uh but moving on to the other side, the NLDS, how NLCS. surprised are you that the Dodgers are down 2-0? I mean, it's pretty 
pretty surprising because you know after the NLDS against the with the, with the Dodgers and the Giants, I felt bad for both of them because I felt like one of the teams that one of the teams had to lose because they were both like 100 win teams and they're they're like one one and two right next to each other, you know. So it's basically whoever wins that series is more likely to win the World Series. And you have to get due credit to Atlanta. They're like doing everything to not only show people they they can win without Robert Acuna. But to do so in such dramatic fashion, too. Yeah, it seems like they're having, especially the dramatic part comes in with the walk off home runs because you don't you don't try to be dramatic without trying to score walk off home runs. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's going to be an interesting series. I know tomorrow is going to be game three, and the um, the Dodgers need to turn that game around. What was that? Game three is tomorrow at Dodger Stadium. There you go. Yeah, the I, the Dodgers seem to be a little bit stronger at home, but I don't know. These this this, uh, this Brave ballpin is uh seems pretty strong right now. So looking, we'll we'll keep you updated as the series continues. <clears throat> Moving over to the world of soccer, uh, the Concacaf World Cup qualifiers, the second window of matches concluded. <laughs> Why can't my teams again kind of continue the trend from last time? Heritage is coming into play again. Um, one of my teams was did good while the other two did not do good, and one of them be the other of my heritage and the matchup i'm talking about with that a good old usfa beat costa rica two to one at home in columbus really rocky game um i was frustrated most of the matchup i uh, the u.s has been struggling and it's not even like a struggle it's like they can't they can't attack they can't defend they're not crisp they're not decisive they don't know what they're doing with their movements it's completely infuriating on on the standard of i understand soccer i've played the sport i've played it at a competitive level and I know what is expected and seeing the U.S. just kind of bobble it because they were down 1-0 really early within like the first three minutes of the matchup. So it's kind of infuriating. And they were down the whole first half and then a good quarter of the second half, the opening quarter, they were still down. And then I believe it was around the 50 to 55th minute is when they scored. Uh, oh, no, I'm lying. Okay, I remember my timeline right. No, they tied 1-1 at the end of the half from a freaking banger from Serginho Dest. And then in the second half, half um uh tim wea had a really nice uh shout to the goal which was awarded as an own goal but honestly everybody in the uh in the usmnt community is considering that a tim wea go it was amazing uh in the other matchups kind of moving on from that el salvador lost at home two to nothing against mexico mexico sitting on top of the table right now uh because of some uh shenanigans that were pulled by the good old aficionados at the stadium uh in the in El Salvador, um, they were throwing uh, water bags to uh, to the field. Uh, El Salvador has been uh, fined with a thirty two thousand um, uh, dollar a fine, and then they will have players suspend. Uh, fans cannot sit behind the goal areas uh, for the next world cup game jesus really they, they just did that yes they did um it was it's a heated rivalry match between them so it, i i was a little bit ashamed as a salvadorian so yeah that happened and this just goes to show that we can't have nice things because last week there was a game between old miss and tennessee in college football you know what the tennessee fans did after they failed to convert on a four for one at the review they threw water bottles at the old miss bench pretty much the same thing that happened in this el salvador mexico game um it's, it's it's more 
more daunting to see it more um out in the out here in the u.s with that college game but um my mom had been to games in that stadium in, in the in the salvadorian stadium um and okay a bit of transparency back in my mom's younger days she would do that too so <laughs> it we're we're notorious of doing that um i've never been to that stadium during a match so i've never participated but my mom's told me stories so it happens um it the stadium was riled it was we thought it's the first time that el salvador has had a really good team i believe since my mom has been born and my mom's twice uh, not twice my age, close to twice my age. So it's been a really long time since El Salvador had a good team. So uh, it was high. It, everybody was high emotions. But um, again, this is why we can't have nice things. Uh, other matches, Jamaica won 2-0 to against Honduras on the road, which everybody's like, uh, Honduras is going down the road. They had their uh, head coach sacked because of the loss because Jamaica was the last in the table before this win. So, uh, And then Canada came back. Um, from being tied one apiece with Panama at home to win it 4-1. Currently, the top four in the qualifiers is Mexico, U.S., Canada, and Panama. So Mexico, U.S., and Canada would be into the World Cup, and Panama would be fighting their way in. Um, aside from the the shenanigans in El Salvador, any any remarks, any any thoughts, anything? And not really other than the water bottle shame, because I've seen it twice now that you told me. Yep. So, yeah, um, that's why we can't have nice things, and that's why... Why El Salvador will not be able to have fans against their uh, have fans uh, behind the goal opposed uh, during the matchups. Um, just a no, a very notable matchup heading into next world the next one the World Cup qualifiers. We're gonna have U.S. versus Mexico in Cincinnati, um, November twelfth. So yep, we're having it really early on in the qualifiers. So it's gonna be interesting. Um, uh, moving on from there, WNBA had uh, the game four of their finals, and the Chicago Sky won their first um, title. In in franchise history beating the uh Phoenix Mercury 80 to 74 winning the series 3 to 1 their leading scorer for the sky was Ali Quile and uh, <clears throat> uh congrats to them I just wanted to mention it just because of what the WNBA has been doing uh for their players and just kind of re- just being really inventive of, of how to help their players and everything like that so I just wanted to give them a shout out and just mention and congratulate the sky on their title victory and I I hope to cover more on them on the podcast and of just WNBA and hopefully seeing the sky win another title. Uh, moving on to the world of racing, we have a couple of things to clean up on there. The, the NASCAR playoffs for the Cup Series Championship continued. Uh, it was at Texas Motor Speedway. Kyle Larson wins his eighth race of the season. The last time a driver won this many races, they won, went on to win the title. Last driver to do that was Martin Truex Jr. Um, I believe last year Kevin Harvick had, I believe, seven or eight wins as well, but there was some um, things that went wrong for him, didn't win the title, but the last true, true contender uh, for the title was Truex Jr. with that many wins. Uh, Larson continue to extend his series best wins um books his ticket to the champion four to be eligible at phoenix um a couple of drivers that are in peril right now that they need to be a little bit wary uh martin truex jr joey logano both involved in a wreck they tried to recover but had uh to no avail uh denny hamlin also involved in the wreck early on uh only currently nine points to the good but uh he sees it as a win for now. i've seen his social media um a lot of people including myself would not think that because next couple tracks kansas and martin's are notorious 
to be very hectic and can cause a driver to miss the championship for i.e mentioning back to the kevin harvick kind of missing of the championship for last season um any thoughts anything around that jesus what why are why are they celebrating early i mean sure like if they're celebrating with the championship like still being in it that's good but do you look ahead well for them and more it's more of we're still in contention we're in the top four right now so they're just enjoying it right now but i know as a driver uh denny hamlin is likely like let's we'll take our wins now because the other two drivers I mentioned, Truex Jr. and Joey Logano, they couldn't recover. Uh, Denny Hamlin recovered back to a top 10 finish. Um, the other two drivers didn't. So they're taking their wins where they can. And it's understandable, but they can't just, I know what you mean with looking forward because there's, uh, uh, yeah. The other, Kansas is is not a, a wreck fest. It's been a bit of a wreck fest, but it's more of a lot of playoff drivers have had issues at that track. And then Martinsville is a wreck fest. So that's why but denny hamlin's been good at both tracks uh martinsville is a stronger track so uh we'll see what happens from there and then over in the world of f1 i do want to mention this just to kind of gauge your thoughts jesus and i know we briefly talked about this yesterday uh the 2022 race schedule has been announced 23 races on the schedule confirmed two races for uh the united states uh i from what i recall off the top of my head two for italy and then um the rest of the races are raced around the world um the tracks that are still coming back um that surprises me was saudi arabia and notably not on the on the calendar but it is our uh was confirmed as a to be confirmed race qatar is not on the schedule for next season uh two questions first one uh do you think the length of the schedule is good or is it bad i am leaning on bad because there's a couple things I saw over on social media that kind of had me turning my head. I mean, obviously you have the whole Saudi Arabia Qatar thing show up, but like another thing before I continue, why isn't China in the schedule? I'm asking this to you. Why is China not in the schedule? My thoughts is more of either the contract was up and they didn't renew it, or the restrictions are still too too um, too strict for F1 to return. Or a third option, um, they're holding it back to return back in 23. Those are my only options that can come to mind, like, immediately. But aside from that, I don't think what else could be the reasoning for that. Yeah, yeah. And then going back to the whole... it's. I think it's too obvious. I saw on, on on Twitter that Sebastian Vettel saying that this is a bad thing for F1 because um, the whole climate change problem, you know, how are we going to get like renewable fuels, like, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And then uh, along with that quote, I remember he also mentioned um, um, having a longer race schedule kind of loses the prestige. And honestly, it does. Um, IndyCar has a shorter schedule, I believe an 18 race schedule, 18, 17 race schedule. And Honestly, I sometimes go with on weekends where when the season's going on, I'm like I kind of want IndyCar to go on right now because the, the racing is so good. It's it's gotten better in the last couple of years. That's that I watch it a lot more consistently. But F1 hasn't had that same product right now recently, so I don't know if that's. I, I know it, it kind of goes along with it, but kind of piggybacking off what I'm saying there. Do you think the new regulations will be put to, at a test to to an ex, too much of a test with this length of a schedule, or do you think it's that the regulations will put up a really good racing and the length of the schedule doesn't matter? Uh, there, I mean, I think there's a couple of things that I think I'm going to answer this question in the way that I think I do, and that's because the regulations are going to affect the, the whole grid. Like, obviously, it will, along with the budget caps that are scheduled to happen. So. 
the length of the schedule is going to matter because it could be just the infuriation of teams not having the best of luck with the new regulations or the budget cap, but it could also mean like it's a good thing because drivers that are transitioning to the new to the new regulations and also the new, to their new teams that they have switched will get enough time to you know get used to them and you know really capitalize on it. But you know, I think it's a mixed thought. Gotcha, gotcha. I I I don't know. I for me personally, I'd have to see it, but I feel like it, it's going to put a strain not just on the just on the on the car with the new regulations but i feel like it's going to put like as you're saying it's going to be a strain on the team um but it's, moving on from there to the world of nfl uh pretty interesting weekend just to mention because they seem like they won the super bowl that's how they celebrated the jags finally won a game in about 10 years right yeah, but that ends a 20-game losing streak dating back to last year. <laughs> uh, I just had to mention it because it's kind of funny and sad. But <laughs> aside from that, winners for this weekend for you, Jesus. Baltimore is my obvious pick. Yes, the hat. Uh, for those who can't see the uh, the str- the video, because we just I can see Jesus and nobody else can. <laughs> uh, he has his Ravens hat on, supporting his team that completely demolished uh, what was considered the second one of the best teams in the AFC now is considered a team in the AFC. <laughs> so the Los yeah. Angeles Chargers, baby. The Los Angeles Chargers, it was 34 to six. Am I correct? Yes. Question mark. Yeah. Let's just go with that. We will make sure of that. Um, that is any, correct. Any yeah, other, is. They, any they other winners this weekend? Oh, sorry. What was that? The Ravens won 34 to six over the LA Chargers. Nice. Any other winners for this weekend for you? Tough. But you, you know what? I'll give it to Arizona. Uh, continue to stay unbeaten. Let's go, Kyler Murray. Uh, and yeah, then, I agree with that. Yeah, and the way that they're they're shattering Cleveland's heart already. They're now three and three, and it seems uh, like everything's going downhill for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, um, they might be returning to the team of old. Uh, personally, for me, I would say uh, Las Vegas Raiders just because of everything they've been going through and still able to come out with a win. Um, uh, so uh. Kind of kudos to the team, to the players, uh, trying to blo- blocking everything else out on that um, for sure. Because it, it, with everything going on, and we'll talk about this later on in the episode as a part of our main topic. Um, it's a, a really difficult thing to deal with. But uh, losers from this weekend, even though they won, the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> What? Oh, no, we're, we're not having this conversation. We had this conversation beforehand. <laughs> no, just to cut, add some clarity, uh, before we hopped on to record this, uh, me and Jesus uh, were talking about uh, the uh, Pittsburgh uh, Seahawks game, and I'm mad. And you were, you told me, Oh, I have a controversial take, and I'm not, I'm not mocking you, man. It's just more of, I knew where you were going with it because I'm mad. As a Pittsburgh fan, what we did yesterday was pathetic, was infuriating. Um, I know I shouldn't be like letting my, my, my fan bias out but it's i'll take what matt says we're fan i'm still a fan when i'm not covering this and i wasn't covering the game that game made me mad like honestly as a stylistic standard of what the pittsburgh Steelers were that game sucked we blew a 14-0 lead but apparently we want to continue with big ben and mike tomlin doesn't want a young quarterback and we're going to struggle for the next five years with that mentality yep and this is coming from a pittsburgh steelers fan 
You want to know my other loser for the week? Yeah, before I say anything else. I have to, unfortunately, say the New England Patriots. Like, that game was winnable against Dallas. Mike McCarthy was literally handing the game to you, yet they still lost. Well, but my counter-argument to that, Dallas knows how to choke, but at the same time know how to somehow pull it back. So um, I wouldn't consider them a loser, but I understand your reasoning for that. Um, uh, Any standout teams or players, aside from the ones we mentioned? Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I think, if I recall correctly, he was shouting after he ran into the end zone in the Chicago game. He was like, I own you. I effing own you. Uh, The quote I saw was, I still own you. He mouthed to the fans. Um, (laughs) I know where you were going with that. Um, (laughs) Oh, boy. Chicago is going to be so happy when he leaves the division next year because I don't think he stays in Pittsburgh after this season. Um, (laughs) But makes sense. Pretty good performance from him. Did you say Pittsburgh? I know. I've lost track of words as it. Well, I'll listen back and I'll I'll see if I said Pittsburgh, but it could be a prelude to the future of where he's going to. (laughs) Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, I don't think we have that money anymore to go get him. (laughs) Uh, No, the only reason I mentioned that, if I had mentioned that, because I I don't think I did, but if I did, the only reason that I that I slipped out was because I was talking with someone earlier where I was like, it'd be awesome if we go get Aaron Rodgers and just give him all the money and we'll have a really good team, even though he's aging out too. But yeah, that's more of my personal opinion. And yeah, uh, from there, fantasy update. <laughs> Last thing I checked, I was actually winning uh, because of the Bills defense. Monday Night Football is going on as we're recording this. Um, Bills defense is scoring new points and Singletary is helping helping my hopes to continue to be in the top four right now. Even though I just found out today, my fantasy league expanded to a six team playoff in the winner in the winner's bracket, which kind of made me mad, but whatever. I was in the top six as is. So I'm just going to start fighting for that. buy. aside from my fantasy uh, shenanigans, let's move over to the RCC roundup. Yay. Yes. <laughs> Um, first, um, first team that we're going to bring up the women's volleyball team. Uh, they had two matchups this past week, uh, on the 11th, they face against college of the desert winning the game three to two sets uh first set was a win 25 to 17 second set was a loss 16 to 25 third set a win uh 25 to 14 and then set four was a loss 21 to 25 and correct me if i'm wrong but set five is overtime correct not necessarily but it is a shortened set Eh, okay so that's another segment of brian not knowing the game of volleyball Um, that set was would be the deciding factor for the volleyball team against College of the Desert. It was 15 to 13. Uh, Kaylee Herbert, uh, Hover, uh, sorry if I butchered the name, had the second most kills with eight, and then Miranda Gates led the team with 11 kills on the evening of the 11th, and then Haley Gray had the most assists with 23, and then Chloe, uh, Chris. Chris Holman, uh, again, I'm very bad with names, had the second most assists with 12 assists on the evening of the 11th. The following matchup that they had was on the Friday of the 15th. Uh, it was a losing game against golden west lost all three sets um set one was 25 to 15 uh pulled it back in sec two to lose 25 to 20 and then the final set a bit closer than the previous two uh 25 to 21 the 
uh, final set, closing out a loss at home against Golden West. Megaberto finished the game with six kills. Miranda Gates had five kills. Um, our colleague and classmate, however, whatever phrase you want to use, Maya Castro led the team with five assists. Uh, RCC now moves to two and six in conference play, and uh, they are six and eight overall. Moving over to a water polo, um, the there was a game canceled uh, this on the 11th against Santa Ana, uh, but they did play uh, three games um, within the week. Uh, there was a loss against uh, Pomona Pitzer uh, College on Wednesday. It was a loss of 12 to 17. And then the next two matches, one was against uh, Citrus and the other against Palomar. The match against Citrus was a win. 16 to 10 was the scoreline. And then the Palomar matchup was a 22-9 win. Very impressive from the water polo team. Um, just to mention, uh, those two matchups uh, against Citrus and Palomar were a mini tournament for uh, the water polo team. Um, uh, Sebastian De La Peña Kenley with six goals um, in the Pomona game, uh, while Luis Grandi led the team with four assists. And then uh, Raja, I can't do names. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and do the names because apparently Rosa I said names okay and wrestling there we go and reese starkey got uh five steals in the matchup and then in the citrus matchup just to highlight some um some stats there starkey um had led the team with six goals and six steals while tommy dempsey had five assists in the citrus win uh that was 16 to 10 and then in the win against palomore um matic grandi and john mahon each had four goals a grandi led the team with a three assists um just to mention uh, the water polo team for the women's side uh, also had a matchup scheduled against santa Ana was canceled there their next game will be uh, against Golden West. If anybody's interested in checking that out. Um, moving on from there, the uh, RCC football team was back in action, back from a bye week. Let's go. Opening conference play against Palomar. And this was a, game. a homecoming game. Yes. Do, may I not forget, but I'm more, I, I understand the festivities and everything that goes with it. I'm happy that everybody, we were able to have a homecoming game, uh, festivities and all. It was fun. Uh, uh, I, for everyone that was there but the important thing for me 47 to 21 the score line finally returning to the winner column uh with the win at home 47 to 21 against palomar rcc football tigers move on to four and two on the season pretty proud of pretty happy you were covering the game uh give us your thoughts Jesus. that offense under the new quarterback jordan barton was really explosive i mean it felt unstoppable at times uh, yeah i would imagine I, I will uh admit this i sadly did not have time to uh to uh re-watch the game or watch the game live because i was in la uh helping my family member who was uh who sadly is a uh, suffered an injury and just needed help. So we're, that's why, um, but obviously I'm step man over here. <laughs> I looked over the stats and Jordan Barton had a really interesting day went for 20 of 29 with a total of 322 passing yards with two touchdowns. Really impressive. And I think you might've missed it. He did have a rushing touchdown. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I did see that, but I did, I, I did forget to note that down. So thank you for correcting me on that. We don't want to take, 
take that away from a really impressive performance. As you said, you you were impressed in just seeing from my end, seeing kind of this, just seeing the stat lines and getting just an idea of what 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 could have gone down. But just it's really impressive, right? Yeah, it is. And now that most teams should now be aware of Barton, he could both beat you through the air and around. There we go. And then just to highlight some of the other players, um, Lawrence Starks uh, rushed for the most yards on the Tigers side with a total of 93 yards with one touchdown and then uh, receiving yards. Tay Moore had the most receiving yards for the team. Tay Moore, Tay Moore, similar. Just, it's just how you want to pronounce it. And (laughs) I will ask uh, (laughs) to make sure of that for future reference. Uh, But he had 123 yards with one touchdown and Jamal uh, Houston had the second most receiving yards with 104 uh, yards on the evening with one touchdown as well. Ricardo Chavez from the stat lines, another impressive game, four of four on the field goals, five of five on the extra points. Jesus, what did you see from Chavez? You know, it's the same Chavez that we've come to know nowadays. He's going to be like, he's this accurate kicker that he's just, you, you know, if you're going to make it, if you need to get a field goal, you know, he's going to get it for you. You know, he will. Very true. Very true. And this is coming in the season that he, um, he reached his, uh, the longest field goal, correct? Yeah, the longest field goal in school history of 56, which was unfortunately tied because Landon Ogles, the, the kicker for Palomar, made a 56-yarder in the second quarter. That's true, but he's uh, Ricardo Chavez still holds the record for us, so he's on our team. He yeah. he's who we care about. <laughs> the Palomar kicker can uh, can go kick at their stadium a fifty six yarders. But um, looking on the other side of the stats, and you can you can attest to this. We briefly talked about this um, yesterday. Eleven penalties on the night for a total of one hundred seven yards against RCC. Elaborate on that one. Have they learned anything about discipline? Have they? Um, it seems like. <laughs> it's been of a struggle um you saw the game i remember we've talked about previous games that have been filled of penalties kind of what did you see that kind of that maybe it could be a reoccurring trend where they're getting so many penalties i think it's like a combination of like you know the gambling thing like you know like you think you're gonna get that big play that you want and then you just commit that penalty but there's also a combination of you know on on there being players being undisciplined and unfortunately what two of those penalties did lead to the power touchdown and to me and i'm not sure what the coach was gonna say but you know i still think it's a problem yeah it, it just just from what i've seen when uh i've been able to see the RCC team and remembering back to the the uh the night that I, the, the opening home game I was on field it seems like it is it's gonna be a reincurring issue because some of the stuff you're mentioning is I I still remember that it kind of peaked its head during that opening home game and it seems like it still hasn't gone away yeah and something has to be done about those penalties something has to be done does it he has to know the way you discipline players like you I'm actually not gonna go with that route. I'm sorry about that. I think you should ask me accurate. You know, just take it as a learning opportunity. Make sure these penalties become minimal. I kind of I had an idea where you're going, but I don't think you put it too much on Coach Kraft. I feel like that's more of the communication that the defense has with the defensive coordinator. Once you think, um, obviously Coach Kraft has he's in charge of the of the whole shebang, whatever you want to say, the whole ordeal on on the field, giving the plays. But 
you would think that the defensive line has more a little bit more connection with the defensive coordinator because that's who they work with. Obviously, they get orders from Kraft, but uh, I'm not trying to put in, like put blame on anybody. But it, wouldn't you think Kraft would uh, coach Kraft would go to defend uh, the defensive coordinator and just like, hey, what's going wrong? Let's try to fix this. Better yet, the defensive staff. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm. Po- but the the top of that totem pole is the defensive coordinator, and you you kind of start to think where's the communication of let's fix this and avoid 11 penalties and losing 107 yards but um yeah uh moving just kind of <laughs> let's just end on a good note we won 47 to 21 four and two we're back on the road next week um in conference play uh it's gonna be a really good we'll keep you updated as the season goes on and yeah that was uh that was the rcc roundup <laughs> sorry i'm just like I'm, I'm just thinking about i'm like it's it's kind of weird to think some things when we talk about this but uh tr- always try to take the positives out of the negatives for sure so um obviously great game from jordan barton um lawrence starks more and houston amazing games from them and then chavez on fire as always uh hope to see the uh the flames continue heading into next week on the road from there, we will go on to our main topic of the day. Jesus, I asked you for this one, um, and I actually like it. I really do like it. it. It got me to think and reminded me of a lot of things um, as a sports fan and then somebody who, who studies a sport. I always think of this, like, how do you compete at this level? Um, it, it gets, it got me thinking. And with my notes, I just, I just went, I, I try to limit my, my own thoughts. Cause if I knew if I kept on going, kept on typing, I would have gone overboard and it would have been bad. And we would have been here for about three hours and I don't want to do that to you. And I still want to eat tonight, <laughs> but uh, our main topic is uh, the pressure for uh, the pressures that athletes get during uh, while performing in the game. Um, how, how does it affect uh, their uh, the level they, they're at with the external factors of off-field actions and social media? Um, just to kind of kick it to you, Jesus, uh, you you came up with this idea. How, how, what, what are some of the factors that you, I know you mentioned off-field actions, social media stuff. What are some of those off-field actions you that kind of clicks off that can affect or hint like can either motivate or hinder a player while they're trying to perform at their highest level on the, on the field or pitch? Well... The reason off-field action matters is because, like, again, we're going back to our previous main topic where it's like, how does we make a legend a legend? And I do mention off-field action, and that's like if you did good things. But you also have to remember the bad things that also happen, you know, like the Flake scandal. And just recently, the leaked emails from former Las Vegas Raiders head coach John Gruden, which are very disturbing, first of all. Second of all, the blame also goes up towards the Washington football team staff for leaking those emails. And, you know, if those things are going to tarnish a reputation for not only a player, but also for a team. And I, the discussion really is just like, how badly can these off-field actions affect people? Like, if you're known for, like, a scandal or you're known for doing something bad and you're still continuing to play like nothing happened, like, how do you deal with it? That's true. And just to correct you on the John Gruden emails, um, it wasn't leaked uh, by the Washington football team. So the exact scandal is, um, well, not scandal. It's an investigation by the NFL on the Washington football team ownership and staff because many, many uh, female members of the staff accused uh, owner and other male staff of the Washington football team of oh. Sexual abuse and verbal um, uh, um, abuse in that sense. And in the emails, and I'll I'll, I'll let you, I just want to kind of clarify within the emails that were investigated, the emails 
from John Gruden to then um, team owner uh, Bruce Arian, right? If I'm per- Bruce Allen, I can't I remember. Bruce Allen. There you go. Um, email correspond. There was a there was an email chain between two those two, and that's where they found uh, the comments John Gruden made of the player association uh players association leader um uh, i don't want to mention him because he tried to justify himself and then he was later on permitted to coach against the chicago bears and then the next night uh it was found out um, a couple other things that he was using uh homophobic slurs to talk about the commissioner of the league and other things that should not be repeated. Uh, that's the whole situation there. And I mentioned this earlier with the during the NFL. I commend the Raiders for having because they they were silent um, and more of we're going to let this play out kind of silent. We don't want to insert ourselves um, just to kind of make a note of this. There is an openly gay player on the Raiders team. And just knowing that John Gruden used that, that verbiage, those words kind of is kind of shocking. Um, personally for me, um, seeing these things just ties back. I used to watch John Gruden in on Monday night football, him covering like as a commentator, I liked him, but then just seeing that it kind of tarnishes y- your perception of him. Um, and I'll talk, about tarnishing your perception a little bit later with kind of my thoughts but i commend the players and it kind of goes off of what you're talking about off-field action the players had to go back this past weekend and win uh they won and i commend them for that but yeah that's just that's just clarifying and kind of diving a little bit into that situation i was gonna talk about are you really gonna talk about how bad of an owner dan snyder is for the washington football team again uh we're not gonna <laughs> we can uh, elaborate on that in a different episode um i have a topic to uh, kind of relate to that that we'll discuss later um but it, it's a it's a topic that um needs to stay in the light and we'll continue to talk about it um as the as the weeks continue but kind of moving i don't want to move away from it but i kind of want to talk about more of like a like a, the performance aspect of it um and this involves the first one i'm kind of like the examples that comes to mind one of the first one involves off-field actions and a social media obviously the astros win back in uh the astros playoff runs back in the 2017-18 season with the sign stealing controversy um obviously you, you it's well documented uh, everything that happened off field um and all the social media posts that still go on to this day um there's players who come into this team that still face the these criticism even though they weren't part of that team and then you kind of think like how do you go out there and compete especially let's say this season they still like i said the on social media they're still completely in just to use a very kind of toned down term of it crapped on because of the sign stealing um and then obviously some other teams and players within the league don't really respect the houston astros because of that but some players weren't even involved in it but that, that's one of one of the examples that i thought of. did you have any examples in what you were in kind of your research issues uh, it goes towards like the trash talking and i really don't like doing this to you but you know how much i mean i guess to myself as well technically i guess but like the amount of trash talk i've seen from um, cocky teams such as the 2017-2018 Pittsburgh Steelers team that um that went I think 13-3 yet lost to Jacksonville 
Yes, um, if I recall correctly, that's... And staying within that kind of sense, you kind of think off-field actions and social media staying on Pittsburgh, the Juju Smith TikTok thing trend from last season where he would go and dance on the logo. Um, Obviously, that would piss off, for lack of a better term, any other player. And that could either hit, like, the anger can either hinder or elevate their performance. And then, uh, I can't remember what game it was. It was the last time he did it. Uh, what I believe it was against the Browns. And he got hit really hard and and then it was the Browns or the Bengals, one of those two teams last season. Uh, they kind of told them, oh, shut up or put up. And that's where it comes like more of like the elevation was put up on the performance because they're like oh we're gonna shut this kid up and we're gonna show him who's really here to play and we're not gonna do tiktok dances out here so <laughs> yeah and i can tell you right now that big hit was against the cincinnati Bengals, which they embarrassingly lost yeah i i remember i i knew it was one of those two teams because it was oh man i think it was they had played the browns within the same time frame and then the browns had said we're gonna put a target out on him and i believe the league found out and they told him no 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 we're not gonna do that and then cincinnati was like well we're not gonna say we're gonna do that and then just clocked him <laughs> but and sadly the reason why i say it, it's towards myself included is because the 2020 season like when Earl thomas was like trash talking derrick henry during the 2020 postseason and then the ravens proceeded to embarrassingly lose to the tightest titans like i still don't like it but like really you got a shot shot like that and that kind of goes in with where i'm talking about of that the off-field action and then it kind of does talk about with on-field action does it elevate or deflate the motivation or performance of a player with that using that example the titans the titans players elevated their performance they said all right he wants a trash talk we're gonna win this now and they won the game uh obviously they their performance later on was a little questionable after that matchup but you kind of see my point where i'm going like this can either make or break a team with these kind of actions yes and they do and because the very next season they decided to have everyone in the midfield logo before i think it was before or after the game you want to know what happened in the playoffs the ravens did it back to them after they won the game so it's perfectly I, deja vu i i recall that for sure uh one of the other examples i want to mention and i i will I, I briefly alluded to this uh currently cristiano ronaldo returned to his uh his the club that made him famous with uh that club being manchester united uh there's some very credible sexual abuse allegations against cristiano ronaldo um and i listen i listened to a soccer podcast that uh, one of the hosts is a manchester united friend and he's been asked multiple times and i love his answers every time um he's been asked do does does these accusations kind of muddy your view of him and does it kind of make you want to root against your own team and he says he said in a sense yes because you kind of don't want because these are off-field actions that Cristiano's do that has done um again these are accusations um but from what i understand they're very credible accusations so i don't want to dismiss them at all but it kind of it seems like his style of play hasn't changed even though this is all going on and there's there's it's not a very vocal group of the fan base of manchester united fan base but it's a very it's a minor it's a good a good minority that is just we're still gonna 
in a way support our club, but kind of distance ourselves from supporting this uh, this person. But at the same time, you kind of the the matchup where Cristiano Ronaldo returned. Um, it was um, I was listening to uh, to another podcast from ESPN Daily. I highly recommend what they're doing over there. Um, but the it kind of it was a it was a, it was a journalist documenting his uh, his experience with the return of Cristiano Ronaldo at Old Trafford, and it was kind of mind boggling to think where he was uh, where fans still cheered him on. There's a minority that still cheered him on, and. He, he scored a goal. It elevated him to be that that Ronaldo that everybody knew before. Um, so it can cause pressure, but at the same time, some players really don't don't care in a sense. Do, do you have any I mean, other examples? I mean, yeah, I was about to say like, that the whole media thing may not matter to specific people. It was like, you got like, people like, I'm not sure this is true, but LeBron James, maybe? Yeah, LeBron is one of the persons, not that he's had, um, I don't know if he has any accusations. I highly doubt it. He doesn't have anything. No, the it's only not, thing it's not, is, it's not, about, it's not about the accusations, it's more like the haters. And I, I sadly will, will I've, I've grown to kind of appreciate, but there's been portions where I, I'm not a LeBron fan. I'll, I'll say that clearly now. I'm not a LeBron fan, and uh, I don't go out to social media and do it. But then there's moments where he's like, he'll, he'll put up a really good game, and I'm like, oh well, okay, that makes sense. He's, he is a good player. He, even though he gets criticized to the bone um, by everybody that doesn't like him, he's still putting up these big numbers. Uh, another player that comes to mind that. I personally am not too fond of Tom Brady. Um, very controversially, I'm not a fan of him, but he puts up the numbers. He has the Super Bowl wings rings. He has the records to back everything up. Uh, even though Deflategate was a thing, but he's backed everything up when it comes to criticism of social media, uh, dealing with Deflategate, uh, critics of from of him within the league. Uh, it's it's pretty impressive, <laughs> in my opinion. Even though I'm not fond of these guys. Yeah, and then. Yeah, it basically just came down to what you just said. Like, are you gonna be motivated off of it, or are you gonna let it affect you? It's 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 not even that. Like, I think if I'm correct about this, we're both former athletes, right? We're both former. Yes, former athletes in our heyday. Like, yeah, it might have been high school where we did it, but like, the the, the same feeling's still there. Like. You're gonna have pressure to do well. You gotta make sure you don't make as many mistakes as you can. Like even in the tournament we played on Sunday, even though it doesn't really matter, like you still feel the pressure. I can remember a moment in my high school athletic career. Um, it was my first big, big invitation. It was the Mount Sac invitation my freshman year. Um, I wasn't a good runner. It was my first year in cross country, and I remember at the end of the race because the track is really interesting. Uh, it has you do there's a one major loop you do twice. You got switchback hills a really steep hill and then uh, a long downhill that leads to a crossover onto a dirt, uh, a, 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 yeah, dirt straight to the end. And that's normally a sprint. I remember somebody screaming as I was entering that last portion and I was trying to pick up my speed. Somebody yelled to me, trip. And I was like, that that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard when you tell a runner that because the dirt had just been watered, had just been watered down, but he got patted down. The, the dirt was pat down already because of the races that were going on before me. And <clears throat> I got motivation from that. I just, I found a second win out of nowhere and just sprinted that last, let's say 150 yards. And I was like, and I was mad. I was mad after I crossed the finish. I'm like, I don't even care. I finished this race. I'm mad. Like it gave me motivation to like, just be like, I'm not going to trip and I'm going to finish this strong. Um, Another instance I can think of top of my head is like, 
um, I believe my junior year uh, uh, track, um, we didn't have our varsity team. They were actually out at a invitational uh, meet that they had qualified to. And it was, we had to make a makeshift varsity team. And I'm like, all right, sweet. Um, obviously we had in the back of hearts, like, oh, it's just going to, it's just going to be, it's going to be a bad race. And, but then we kind of got them in our head. Like, well, we motivated ourselves. We talked ourselves out of like, okay, they're not here. Let's go perform. And we ended up finishing second in varsity and winning quote unquote, unquote, winning the JV race, but finished second to a varsity team with a makeshift group of guys. So it's, um, it depends on the situation. Um, There's moments where you can crash and there's moments where you can get elevated just to kind of, before I do, I want to mention some of the research I did. Um, Some of the things like, I have a race personally that that my dad went to before my parents separated and I was all motivated to have my dad there is the first race he'd went to and I crashed in that race I did not do good uh it was essentially my worst race of my high school career um and I was all motivated I was ready to go but it's kind of those things when like when you're ready and you're and you're motivated it's it depends you can crash or burn pretty easily and you can crack under that pressure and do, do you have any other personal examples or anything you want to add Jesus you know there's always the adversity whenever I I mean, again, I'm not sure if it's too much matters, but, you know, the Smash thing, where it's like, I recall an online tournament. I lose the first round. You know what I did? I won the next five in a row and finished in the top eight. Like, I was feeling down on myself afterward, but, you know, I lifted myself up. I finished the day strong. And at the end of the day, I proved myself. But, you know, our experiences pretty much compare pretty, I'm not sure how accurately, but they're pretty accurate towards what professionals face yeah because that's you'll eventually you'll have this feeling every step of the way um I, one example that can come to mind is like uh what is it alex polo in indycar there's moments where i don't think he he said and when we it, when we asked him some questions in the post media scrum um where he said oh yeah i knew i we we had a chance at the championship all season but you gotta think after the indy crash um after the uh the engine failure at a at the Indy Road course at Gateway with the crash there, you would think there's moments where you're like, I think this pressure is getting me. I don't know if I can do this. But those are moments that you keep to yourselves, but then you come back and then you excel and continue with Alex Polo. He excelled. He won his first three, the first, he's won his first three career races and he went on to win the title. And that's that's essentially somebody who had had the expectation got knocked down, had the pressure on him, and then still came out as a champion. Um, <laughs> I just want to mention some of the research I did. I, I found a, uh, an article from CNBC, and here's a quote from it. Uh, the quote is, a, uh, a study uh, by Harvard Business School uh, researcher and assistant professor Allison Wood Brooks found that though that those who are able to see a nerve-wracking situation as as an opportunity and not, not a threat performer, uh, a threat perform better um that kind of goes with what i'm talking about with alex below um and then uh just looking at another quote from a premier sports psychology uh, before we uh just kind of as wrap up our thoughts real quick um be being able here's the quote that i got from from the article um and quote it being able to perform under pressure such as competing in the 2018 olympics involves years of concentration determination and stability of a positive attitude to obtain mental strength just like that just like practicing physical skills practicing mental skills such as dealing with stress performance setbacks bad weather conditions or fatigue can impact a performance the quality of an olympian makes them success so successful is 
that regardless of any implications standing in their way, they stand in the face of adversity and remain confident in their skills. And quote from Premier Sports Psychology. Kind of hearing those quotes, kind of what, what are your thoughts as, as we're closing up here? Hey, I, I also give a round of applause for that. I mean, that's very accurate. <laughs> yeah, it goes along with what we've been talking about, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So, yeah, and it's it's really interesting how when I, I look these quotes up and then just kind of put them together, it makes a lot of sense when it comes to these the these athletes and not even just like the professional athlete. Let's think of um, um, Ricardo Chavez. I, I would imagine those two losses, even though he's putting performances of his life, they weigh on him, um, I would think. And then um, the um, the the uh, Jordan Barton also, um, you're coming in as the new starting quarterback. You have to perform. You're going to have people, even within your own staff, questioning, are you capable of doing this? Um, so just, just using some of our own RCCE, let, let's go to the volleyball team, uh, Maggie Alberto. Um, she, she's been killing it this season. There's pressure. Um, obviously they've had losses, but there's a pressure to compete and stay consistent within the game with the matches she competes in. So, um, just, that's just kind of referencing what we've been talking about and then kind of using the quotes and referencing some of our own, uh, homegrown players. Uh, is there anything you want to? Else, you want to add to this conversation, Jesus? Eh, not really. I think we're kind of running out of time, so we're just gonna. Yeah, we're well, just, yeah. On. It's, a, <laughs> but um, really good conversation. If you guys want to continue the conversation, um, just continue it at our social medias and just add us and let us know what your thoughts are for sure. But uh, with that being said, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, uh, a little bit, a little, <laughs> little frantic. Frantic. Um, I do apologize if that it seemed like that just uh scheduling and all that for sure but we should have a really good episode next week look forward to that before we head out we have a bit of promotional stuff um obviously make sure you head over to the viewpoint podcast network on your choice of audio platform uh spotify uh anchor your the whole five yards the whole shebang uh, you can find our podcast the field of view podcast and another one and many of the other ones and we know we have a couple more in the works but one of the ones that are up there that's on the viewpoint podcast network the rerun shuffle it's a tv podcast or our wonderful editor-in-chief leo and our producer multimedia editor tim uh rewatch and discuss different episodes of different tv shows every week we are still in halloween month yay uh they talk they are reviewing a different halloween themes episodes for the entirety of this month uh this week's episode was goosebumps season one episode one and two the haunted mask honestly i'm a little jealous of them i love the old goosebumps series and i it's a it's a good shout go check that episode out go check the show out it's a really good series so go check that out for sure and then make sure you also go check out six by six theater uh movie review podcast um where Gogo, Will, and also producer Tim talk about small releases, give their thoughts on that, and also talk about major releases um, that have been out recently. This week, they they cover the uh, Muppets Halloween special, No Time to Die, finally came out after how many years, <laughs> and Blumhouse The Manor. So make sure you go check that out for sure. Make sure to check out uh, viewpoints of social media so you can check out all of our articles, um, the podcast, and everything from our wonderful team over there at Viewpoints. You can check us out on viewpointsonline.org. Make sure to follow us on social media at, on Facebook at which <laughs> I can't talk. Words are a nuisance to me. You can follow us on Facebook, Riverside City College Viewpoints, and then Twitter and Instagram at RCC Viewpoints. 
You can follow Jesus at at Supernova as the eight. And then you can check me out on Instagram at Brian underscore a underscore Calderon or on Twitter at Brian Calderon 96. I'll eventually fix the Instagram one. We'll see what happens. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, Stay safe. Enjoy a lot of sports. And we will catch you all in the next episode. Bye. (laughs) 